Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene right here on Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. I am joined by a special guest, uh, actually the very first co-host of this show. That's uh, right. Years ago, uh, Earl Owensby, that's right, filmmaker Earl Owensby and I used to do this show together, and then Earl uh, didn't have time for Noel. Uh, other things happened, and, uh, and Earl said, well, Noel, uh, you know what, you're going to have to find somebody else to do it. I can't come hang out with you every week. And so I said, well, I'll take you when I can get you. And so uh, Earl is, uh, has agreed to come back and spend some time with us here today on Cinema Scene, uh, talking about a, a cool thing happening uh, over the course of this weekend, uh, Friday night at the North Carolina Museum of History uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. They're going to be celebrating Earl uh, with a, a Q&A and a time to just uh, get to know Earl. And um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be hanging out with him and we'll be uh, having a dialogue and conversation and uh, folks are listening to this uh, since we are uh, available worldwide now with uh, with this show. Uh, if you're in the Raleigh area this weekend, uh, we encourage you to, to come check it out. And, uh, and if you're not in the Raleigh area, drive to it. Exactly. And uh, and if you do miss the show, you can uh, actually go and see some of the exhibits that they've got. They've got a North Carolina film exhibit that's been going on uh, all year. And uh, there's several things from Earl there as well, from Earl Owensby. And so uh, we were very glad to have Earl as our guest here today and give us a chance to uh, catch up and also for those listeners that uh, that may uh, want to be reminded on uh, the impact of this guy uh, on uh, on filmmaking um, period uh, it's just a great opportunity to have Earl uh, to talk with us. Earl you uh, were born in the mountains of North Carolina grew up in uh, Cliffside North Carolina by uh, Tom and Bertha Owensby have I got that right? That's correct. And uh, you uh, you were not just poor you were pole. You couldn't even you couldn't afford the O and the R. That's how am I am I correct there as well? That's that's right. <laughs> you, Amen. Uh, you you uh, you you one of your first jobs was working in a movie theater, doing a lot of different things there in the movie theater. You uh, eventually uh, sold a little bit of moonshine and, and showed some movies in your backyard. We're not going to talk a whole lot about that, but no. you served in the Marine Corps for five years. Uh, that's right. Became an industrial tool salesman. Did quite a few other things, and at some point in your life, um, you decided you were going to make a movie. That's true. And uh, th- that's just one of those things that that a lot of people might say, hey, I'd love to make a movie, but you didn't just say it. You did it. And what was it that, uh, one, inspired you to say you wanted to do it, but two, what was it that actually made you realize you could do it? <laughs> well, Noah... When you start spending money on something, you either realize you are doing it right. or you better not do it. Right. So that's what happened. Yeah. But we got lucky. Yeah. But you saw a movie called Walking Tall. That's right. And that was uh, shot in a little town, McMinnville, Tennessee. That's right. Um, a, a film that did not cost a whole lot to make and then made a little bit, uh, a yeah, little bit of profit. Yeah, it, it did real. did real well. They made three of them and then a TV series, so... And was that the film that you saw that you said, mm, this is something I think I can do? Yeah, I really liked Walking Tall, and, and it had a good story, and it was touching, and uh, it wasn't something people refer to Gone with the Wind. Let me tell you right now, there ain't a lot of people could afford to make Gone with the Wind anyway, but uh, that action adventure about Buford Purser and the whole deal just kind of 
worked out, and that's kind of what challenge was uh, a little bit. Your first film? Yeah. First film, yeah, 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 yeah. It did real well, so that's yeah. how we got in business. Well, and you did not set out just to make one film. You you set out to have a factory, basically a movie factory. I movie set studio. out and made an announcement that I was build a studio, yeah. Well, that's... Uh, he who laughs 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 loudest, I reckon. <laughs> right. no. Well, you 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 know you're setting out to make a to build a movie studio, which is in in many ways that that kind of mindset that you grew up with. You know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it, not just one. I'm not going to do just one prototype. I'm going to do a lot more than that. Uh, but you did it in, in a place that a lot of people wouldn't have imagined doing it between Boiling Springs, North Carolina, and Shelby, North Carolina. Um, an area that was a, a cow pasture at one point. You built a studio. Yeah. So what was it about this area that made you think, okay, I can make this happen and I can make money doing this? Wonderful people. Okay, really? Wonderful people. You don't find any more wonderful people than this area. Yeah. Now, now, now you cross the line and get over to Charlotte sometimes, you got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you no, I don't know. It just, it's just wonderful people. Yeah. Everybody was fine. And you were able to surround yourself not just with good people that you enjoyed working with, but you were able to find some talent. There's a lot of talent in this area and always has been. Sometimes they don't get a chance to show their talent, and sometimes if they don't have the talent but think they do or somebody thinks his girlfriend ought to do whatever, that's not the way it works, unfortunately. I didn't have, uh, when you take California... Out there, right. everybody has the chance of bringing in a whole lot of people. If I bring them in from California, there's very few of them because it's expensive. Right, right. And so you said, okay, I've got them here. I'm going to do it I'm here, come here, here, and we'll do it. Well, I, I mentioned earlier that you really did have a movie factory, and that's that's definitely true when you look at you would finish a film on Saturday Many times you'd start right back up on Monday with another film. Well, we'd start back with pre-production and, and getting ready for the yeah. other film because that's what you got to do, keep it busy. took me a while to realize there was folks out there that uh, could come here, bring whomsoever they wanted to, and uh, we furnished whatever was left over. That, that, uh, that concept of, of going from one production to the next, to the next, to the next is really something that people have compared your studios to that early Hollywood system of the 30s and 40s, that studio system that you had a, a strong core group of people working together, and yeah. it was that team. Um, you know, it, it was team-driven, and that's something you don't see a whole lot anymore. You see a lot of individual, you know, out for me, out for me, out for me. But you had something different with the people. How, how was that able to continue um, through those films? Well, no, to be rip somebody's statement off, there is no I in team. Okay. It is a team. You're, you're like a family, and, and that's the way a, a group of people making a movie. Everybody wants to make a good movie. Nobody starts out to make a bad movie. Some of us start out and don't do quite as well as we yeah. ought to. Yeah. I think uh, like Wolfman <laughs> made money, but it wasn't. It was yeah. not a classic, yeah. and I played the wolf, yeah. Yeah. which which was dumb. Yeah, uh, but it, we'll, we'll get to that. I, I've got a question about Wolfman, so we'll get to that. In a few all right, minutes. all right. <laughs> um, yeah, challenge. You first started shooting that uh, November tenth, nineteen seventy three, Marine Corps' birthday. That's right. That was intentional. Simplified. Um, very intentional for you. Um, you 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 never. Um, 
had this desire to be an actor, to be a movie star yourself. That was not something that you set out to do, but there was some guy you wanted to hire to act in uh, Challenge. It didn't happen. And so you ended up being the lead in that, right? Well, there was um, some guy that thought he would direct the picture, and I had made a statement I didn't want any women working on it, so right away it went around that I might have been of the, uh, uh, I wasn't gloomy, but it might have been the other way. That wasn't what it was. I just had seen things happen in the industry when, you know, whatever, but uh, that gentleman didn't last long. He had some ideas that wasn't, wasn't going to work. Right, right. Uh, I have... Uh, you also had an actor, David Jansen. Didn't you have him originally uh, lined up? I, I knew David Jansen, and I admired him. He, was, he had the highest TVQ at that time because of the fugitive, and his PR firm was my PR firm in California, and that's when I met him. This was after I'd thought about Challenge, but uh, good actor, good good personality, good TV, whatever. But uh, I don't know if he's going to do something. And probably even though people have different opinions of why I do so-and-so, but the acting has got me through more doors than producing ever has. They's a producer everywhere. Right. But when you own the studio and you're whatever, whatever, then I'm... I'm uh, I'm happy to do what I can. I, I get calls. Last night, I had an email. Somebody in New York wanted to buy the studio. Didn't say they had any money. Just wanted to know <laughs> if I wanted to sell it, you know. That's the truth. Yeah. I got the copy. It's, yeah. it's, on, the, it's yeah. on the internet. But and I, everything's for sale. And that's what I tell folks. And I told the gentleman at the paper the other day when he interviewed me and then interviewed you, Wade, giving yeah. you, Wade giving you a little publicity. You know, Wade Allen at the start. Yeah. That you could not come out to the studio and interview me unless you sold the editor on the fact you wanted to do that. Right. You yeah. don't just get up and run out and yeah. see Earl. Yeah, yeah. Jody Priest's mama did, but, <laughs> but, but then yeah. he went with the Shaw Trevor. But yeah. I, I don't know, uh, Noel. I don't want to get wound up on something, but I've told a thousand times and don't intend to sell them. People come in yesterday to the studio Wanted to look at the studio, wanted to take a tour. Had a gentleman with him. He'd been in Hollywood 50 years, and he could do everything. It don't work that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of those things, What, in all honesty, looking for a job. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to hire anybody. Right, right. So yeah. I reckon those things happen, but I try to be nice yeah. to folks. I don't want to turn them off. Yep. They well, certainly do their thing, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you got into acting. You, you, you became the presence. You were Frank Challenge in the film Challenge. Yeah. Um, the, um, your approach to acting, I mean, how did you, I mean, you didn't have any uh, formal training. So no. what was your approach to acting? Well, my humble opinion. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> EO don't, e- don't mean equal opportunity. <laughs> but my humble opinion is right. what I have learned. Yeah. Acting is nothing more than reacting right. to what somebody... If you get somebody ain't knowing what they're doing, right. you're going to mess up too. Right. But that's just the way I, yeah. I look at it, and yeah. maybe I'm wrong. I don't yeah. know. Well, and, and you're also selling somebody on something, and you knew a little bit about being a salesman going that's into what that. You, if you're, not, if you're yeah. not selling something, right. you better not make it. Yeah. 
Well, after you made the movie, you had to sell it. I didn't have no choice. You had to find a way to... I had my money tied up in it, and nobody helped me finance it. I, I was fortunate enough to have it, and fortunate enough when I opened the two Carolinas myself in 80, 80 theaters, and it wasn't all drive-ins. I get this, what I played the drive-ins. Hell, what's wrong with the drive-ins, you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> Gone with the wind has played yeah, the drive-ins. Yeah. But anyway... That's that's what happened, and and uh, I did sell it because it did real well. And then Coca-Cola Bottling Company out of Atlanta did a tax shelter on it with some people in New York, and they came and brought me the check, and and uh, it bounced. And that, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, and they came back with the certified check because right. they didn't get the movie because when the, if the money ain't clear, right. yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been business. I mean, I've right. been in at 12 businesses at the time, so I wasn't, you know, wasn't fell off the turnip truck but didn't land on my head. Right. No, yeah, that, that was that, it. That was just when you were doing leaf blowing on the roof, you fell on your head, right? <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> That's a whole different story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. the, um, you know, the, the time that you were trying to find a distributor for this film was far different than what we've got now. I mean, now you've got opportunities like Amazon Prime, you've got Netflix, you've got pay-per-view options, you've got straight to Blu-ray to DVD, and you've got tons of TV networks, and you've got independent film channels. I mean, what you've got now from a from an opportunity for a filmmaker to get their work seen is, is amazing. You didn't have that. No, all you had then was the theaters and, and, and maybe a little overflow if you were lucky enough to hit something and by the time I got to Buckstone County Prison mm-hmm. HBO was opening up played HBO 75 times Buckstone did yeah, yeah. and it was the uh, distributor Film Ventures out in California that uh, that had did the deal with me and gave me the check and then the gentleman that bought it and played it on HBO did not have the rights to do that he had theatrical and he did release it theatrical but then he had a problem, I understand. He, was, uh, he had a problem with folks that uh, don't like it if you get their money and don't pay it back. And I was told that he, was, uh, he left town with his girlfriend in a Rolls Royce. I was told that that Rolls Royce, him and his girlfriend, are in the sand somewhere out in the desert covered up. That's what I was told. Yeah, yeah. I don't doubt it because I never heard from right. him again. But that's... Yeah. Uh, but I had the movie. I always get my movie back. People right. say, you sold your movie. No. No, I leased the movie. Yeah. Just like I leased the movie to India. Mm-hmm. That would be Rottweiler. Right. And they paid for it. Yeah. And they had seven years. Only country I've sold a movie to that the people called back, wanted to renew their other seven years, and sent me a certified check. Wow. Never had that happen. That wow. was in India. Wow. And, you know, you just do your business. Yeah. And then when we sold Rottweiler to China, mm-hmm. and it went out in number one that week, and it made the Shaw Observer and yeah. the Hollywood Reporter and Variety and yeah. tickle me. But that gentleman came in and brought the money when he bought it. He brought the real money. And his lawyer was uh, Ann Murray's lawyer out of Canada. Mm-hmm. So we worked it out, and he was very. Matter of fact, he wanted to fly me to China, China. He wanted to fly me over there and spend the time. And I said, "Well, sir, I don't go behind anybody's 
curtain, mm -hmm. if it be bamboo, right, clock, what it is, right. I ain't going behind. Yeah. If I'm in Tiananmen Square and the tank's coming, guess what? They ain't yeah. going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way I felt about it. Anyway, that's so that's where we are now. So yeah. move on along, Hoss. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the foreign film market is something that today is just a given the importance of that global film market. I mean, you look at films like Iron Man 3, that talking about China, they actually created a whole subplot storyline so it would appeal to Chinese audiences. Um, that market is so important to filmmaking now. Used to it was an afterthought, but for you... You discovered the global film market back in the early 70s before Hollywood. I discovered really. it when when uh, Cinemation Industries uh, went bankrupt and didn't pay me, and I got the movie back. I got all the records. I then found they were selling that movie, of which they didn't have the rights to, in the foreign market. And then I discovered the foreign market, and in my case, don't really care how you talk because, mm -hmm. number one, they're either going to dub it, subtitle it, or whatever. Right but you have to have action. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened when I started. I mean, hey, I go to the American film market and knock them off, you know, boom, right. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. But that that's still, as you get to be something bigger and bigger and bigger, as the majors have proved, uh, that's a big market. Mm -hmm. A little independent like myself, if you've got something that they really want, there's no telling what they'll pay for it. But you have to be able to give them what they right. ask for. I mean, I'm not going to do porno. I'm right. not going to do stuff that would offend anybody right. if I right. can help it. And, yeah. uh, but you, but you knew what would sell. You knew, yeah, um, you knew what you could make. But also, you knew what would sell. And once you discovered overseas a global market, you said, "Okay, will this sell there?" Because at that point, you said. North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. That's fine if it shows here, but if it doesn't, you knew you had an audience. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've done real, uh, done, done real well with uh, <clears throat> the DVD deals mm -hmm. and all that. Never sold my movies to TV yet. Now, I own 20 mm -hmm. feature film titles, which is available. Yeah, yeah. And the time will come when the proper... Right. Time somebody will buy them. Well, there's some uh, opportunities out there that, uh, that that may want to uh, to pick to take you up on that offer. Yeah. Um, you, you talked about uh, acting as reacting, and there was one film that, that I always love hearing the stories about when you and I talk. It's uh, about a time that you said, you know what, you're tired of memorizing dialogue. You thought you'd do something a little Worst different. Worst mistake I ever made. Dark Sunday. Yeah, because in my mind, I created a story. Right. I just thought, this would be a good story. I'm going to yeah. play a preacher. Yeah. And so all this mess, it's going to be action, so he's going to have a family. And I did yeah. the whole, you know, step one, yeah. two, and three. Mm -hmm. Starts it off right. with one, and then in yeah. the middle you do whatever, and then three, act three, you yeah. razzle down to wrap up. So I thought, well, if I get shot, Take my vocal cords and I won't be able to have no dialogue. I still go out and kill people. <laughs> then I found <clears throat> my friend that I ran into was a blind man. Right. Now, I movie, couldn't the talk. Char the character in the movie is blind. Yeah, he's blind. He's blind. <laughs> and, and, and I'm thinking, this was a dumb thing for me to do. And I made a rule after that. I told my preacher that the other day, yeah. too. I, I don't play preachers no more because right. that's the only movie... 
I played a preacher and they killed me in the end. I'm like, get out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, there was no sequel for that movie unless I said, it was. Who do you sequel. think I am, Dr. Cannoli? <laughs> <laughs> well, Dark Sunday, yeah, you, you were. Uh, uh, you you had you were able to talk for the first part of the film, but for like what three fourths of it. You, Once I got shot, you, I couldn't talk you couldn't no more. Talk anymore. Uh, that was a film though that also uh, you had twelve deaths in that film. The MPAA Motion Picture Association of America had issue with that much violence. Now today, twelve deaths those things happen in the first five minutes of a movie, so it's a whole different world. Well, the story on that they rated it X. Okay. Because they, I'm going to use they. But not for pornography. They, it, was huh? not, it was not for pornography. Oh, no, 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 no. They was no, oh, good gracious. It was no. violence. No, huh? Violence is the reason well, they Well, I it. reckon that's why, but they always <laughs> was looking looking for something right. to uh, stop me. Yeah. I mean, that was going on, and I knew that. So I appealed that, and it went to New York, and they kind of limb-flammed around at New York. And so I got a hold of Congress, the United States of America Congress, and Mr. Brawley Hill, who was the congressman at at the time. Of this area in North Carolina. Yeah, and uh, he introduced me. And so they decided to investigate. Now, everything is going good. So I was doing another, but doing Buckstone at the time. And so Ed Parker, Kipo Karate World Champion, and Elvis Presley's bodyguard and whatever, so he and I flew up to this thing. He went with me. <laughs> I think they thought he was my bodyguard, but he wasn't. <laughs> but I went in, and I sat down, and I was the first to speak to this panel. Right. And they were listening, and everything was going fine, and I'm trying to explain everything, Southern, the way I do. And the gentleman from California who was on the panel, he no more was paying any attention to me than the man in the moon. True story. And I looked at him, and he was he was whispering to somebody. It wasn't about me. And so I had a pad in front of him, and I slammed it down in front of the microphone. He jumped. <laughs> I said, now, Hoss, I've got your attention. I frankly don't give a damn where you're from. <laughs> but my deal here is they're going to change that rating, whether you like it or not. <laughs> oh, golly. It was, you know what? Change it to PG. <laughs> now, is it true And I brought you... up another little movie for him. I uh-huh. said, I know y'all enjoy Clint Eastwood. Outlaw yeah. Joseph Wells. Right. Same story. Bad yeah. guys ride in, kill his family. He goes after him. He killed four more people than I did. <laughs> yeah. Four more people. Right. Yeah. And so I changed it to PG. So it, it really was... And that was that was a great thing that you did to be able to say, look, here's a, a very a very similar film, very similar storyline, more deaths. Okay, you're treating me differently. And that was the thing. You wanted to be on the same playing field as everybody else. I just didn't want them giving it an X. I don't make X-rated <laughs> right. movies. Yeah, yeah. I could go back and hire a bunch of girls and get them naked and all that stuff <laughs> right. and put it right in the middle of the movie, and now we got an X. Right. That's not what you wanted to do. No, I don't do that. Uh, I don't do it. I don't do it. Well, uh Anybody who's seen any of your films will know that there's a, there's gunfights, there's fistfights, there's car chases, uh, violence, a lot of action. Something, there's, a, there's a moral. Right, right. There's purpose behind yeah. that. Now, the thing is that's interesting is they'll look, and if they look closely, they'll realize that, that Earl Owensby is the Tom Cruise before there was Tom Cruise. And by that I mean <laughs> Tom Cruise is known for doing his own stunts. Yeah. He does his own stunts in, in all of his movies, his latest movie, Mission Impossible, 
uh, that's out now, you know, crazy stunts on that. Well, you did some crazy stunts along the way as well, and you yeah, you were your own stuntman. I hadn't. Huh. <laughs> you were your own stuntman. Yeah, that's right. And that's that right. that happened uh, by accident or by business or a little of both. Well, I I don't know. Maybe I have a little bit of uh, whatever. I can tell you one stunt that I did that raised money for the Oxford Orphanage. Right. I went on top of a balloon. You won't know how come I did that. Now, now you're not talking about a little balloon that. No, you I'm blow. talking about a hot air balloon goes <laughs> up one mile out, right. whatever. And the gentleman who was doing the stunts came to me and said, uh, "Come in my office. Can I speak with you, Mister Orby? Yes, sure. Speak, speak." He said, "I'll have to have five thousand more dollars." I said, "For what?" He said, "You realize I got to get on top of that balloon." I said, "You do." He said, yeah, that's what they told me. I had to be photographed, and i got to be up there. You can't, you know. I said, well, I'll let you know tomorrow. I called Mike Allen. I said, Mike, drag out the balloon. We were doing hot air. That was the name of the movie. It had balloons. Really? And I said, I'm going to get on top of it. So you lay the balloon down, and I fixed it where I could hold on while they raised me up, and I'm walking around on top of the balloons like a trampoline. I'm right. thinking, this ain't no big deal. Right. Huh? Yeah. So I said, okay, let me down. I found then that you've got to lower the thing. As it goes, you're going to have to roll off of it and roll out so it don't cover you. So then I did that. And then I decided, well, we need... Um, and that wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do, to come down off of it. No, it never is. <laughs> anyway, then I, I decided Oxford offered. I'm a mason, and I, of course, I came from being adopted to whatever... And we decided to go over to the Cleveland County Fairgrounds and they'd do a little balloon things. And then at the end of the show, I would get on it and they'd ride me up and they'd ride me out 10 miles and I'd be, you know, whatever. Some gentleman over there, don't remember who he was, he was a gentleman. I heard him say, that ain't gonna happen. He ain't going to get on that balloon. Yeah. He just said all that to these people to impress right, them. Right. So when I got ready to do it, it was the grand finale. When I got ready to do it, I went over to him. I said, hey, house, I can't do that. Would you mind taking my place? We've got to get this done. <laughs> he said, you're crazy. And I thought you was, Earl. Call me Earl. Then call me Mr. Orman. Yeah. I got on and I went. And all this traffic lined up all the way down. We went south. That's where the wind was blowing. And then landed in a soybean field. Yeah. Only time I got scratched when we landed in that and I rolled out on them stalks. Right. Yeah, corn stalks. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't die. Yeah. You know, I just made the deal. And then, of course, Oxford Orphanage got over $20,000. Yeah. yeah. Which was good. Yeah. And, <laughs> but that's what happened. But that's that's a stunt that just came... Somebody walks in right. my office and wants five pound yeah. dollar. Yeah, is is that a, a similar thing that happened when you did the uh, the major stunt in uh, Death Driver, where you go through a burning house? Well, no, I, I was putting that movie together a little bit at a time, and I'd hired Jimmy Houston, out of Atlanta director, good director, mm-hmm. good director, smart young man, and uh, he uh, he and I talked about it. And so I decided I'd do this burning house thing. We had the Death Riders, which were doing a show in in uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. And so we would build the house, and then I'd get ready and we'd put the, the uh, 
things up, and I'd go off at the end of it, go into the house, and it would crash in on me. Well, That's it's on about, fire the whole time. The whole thing is on, it's on fire. Oh, it's on fire. Yeah. yeah, it's on fire. So we tried to do it in Charlotte, and twice rained. Couldn't do it. So finally I said, we're going to do it in Harris Motor Speedway. That's close to home. Mm-hmm. We'll go over there and build the house, and then we'll do that. And Chipwood uh, people came in that night, and uh, they are putting on a show, Death Riding Chipwood, mm-hmm. all that. And uh, so I sat there, and it rained. Rained. Yeah. And I said, well, we'll stay till midnight, then we'll write something else in. About 10 o'clock, it cleared up, and there's the moon. I got in the car, yeah. and Mike Allen came up. You feel you got a part of yeah. that where we get tickled? Yeah. Because yeah. he come up and he said, you're going to get burned up. I ain't going to get my check. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. And we're just joking <laughs> right. back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny. Yeah. And so when it came time, I hit that sucker. And what you do, giving away my secret here, yeah. you reach over and get the safety belt, which is in the other seat. Right. When you're driving the car, you're, you're you accelerating. You pull yourself into the seat. Yeah. So when you go into that burning house, if something, it ain't going to get you because you ain't setting up. Right. And this, as soon as you get in there, you whiz on out the other side. The whole thing caves <laughs> right. in. Right. And I think in Death Driver, that's where he died or something. Yeah. I don't know what he did. <laughs> <laughs> but I did that, and I don't know. I've done a lot of stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. One time I'm on a motorcycle and the director, I forgot maybe a brass ring or something, said, need to ride a little closer to the edge. I said, the camera pick up. And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> so I, I took off my helmet right. and handed him the keys to the motorcycle. I said, you go show me how to do it. He said, yeah, you don't mind. I ain't <laughs> so I said, can we work it out so I ain't that close to the edge? I ain't going to go do that, you know. But those things, you know, you have yeah. fun with them. And, yeah. and I, I guess I don't have to do my own stunts. Right. And maybe I've got old enough now. I shouldn't do my right. own stunts. But I've done a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, I... Well, the, the craziest stunt you ever did was to uh, put on uh, Wolfman makeup. Oh, golly. Trying to do a film that was uh, that was very similar in vein to the Hammer Horror films, which Christopher Lee, who just that's passed way, away recently... That's the way, yeah. that's the way it was kind of set up that we were taking... Actually, my thought was Lon Chaney Jr., and we right. kind of copied the makeup on Lon Chaney Jr., and I always knew I was prettier than Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> Not the senior, but the junior, you were much better looking than yeah, the Yeah, yeah, there wasn't no senior. Well, yeah, yeah the original Chaney, <laughs> right. he was something else, yeah. man. Yeah, he a uh, man of a thousand faces. That's exactly right. But Creighton was Lon Jr.'s not right. real name, Creighton yeah. Chaney. And, yeah. Uh, He's something else. Yeah, but you had that, that that you had a lot of makeup to do in that film. It wasn't yeah. Worst Teeter did the makeup. He put it on, and it took a long time. Yeah, and it took a long time to get it off. And yeah. uh, I'm uh, I'm not regretting I did that, but I did it because I wasn't trying to be the pretty boy. Right. I wasn't trying to be what that wasn't yeah. that wasn't it. <laughs> But it's so, yeah, and still does. Yeah, and, and yeah. You've, 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 I've heard you say this uh, numerous times over the years that that was not 
your favorite film to make, and it was not your your best film. You 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 said you set out to make a horror film and made a horrible film. So more to say for that. <laughs> why, why do you say that? Why why did you feel that that was? A, you can't sit around and brag on everything. Yeah. You pick something. <laughs> okay, I got you. You pick something yeah. that you're in, right. so you're bad mouthing yourself. You don't <laughs> want to embarrass somebody right. that made a movie. I ain't yeah. got nothing to do with it, and I said, yeah. oh, that's the worst thing I hunt. Right. No, I uh, Kelly McGillis made her first movie right, right. here in Shelby, yeah. North Carolina. Ruben, Ruben. Yeah. And Oscar-nominated uh, film. Huh? It was nominated for an Oscar. Oh yeah, yeah. and Tom yeah. Condy was nominated. Didn't get yeah. it. Robert Duvall got it for Tender Mercies. But uh, Tom and I were sitting downtown in Winnebago, and she was in the back, and her script was on the dash, and she walked right by Tom and I. Didn't have no clothes on. Okay. And what did I say? Whoa. He said, don't think anything. She's a stage actress. They don't think anything about that. I said, it ain't me thinking about it. These people walking by, somebody going to come get all of us. I yeah. don't want to go to jail because some lame woman stripped her clothes off. <laughs> but she put all the robe after yeah. that. But, but uh, Julian Epstein wrote that, right. who wrote right. Casablanca. Yeah, yeah. And let me tell you something about him. I fought around with all of them, you know. I wasn't in that movie. But... You did not change one word of dialogue. Didn't matter. I mean, somebody say, well, maybe, huh? Ain't no maybe. Not for him. Ain't, this is what's written. This is yeah. what you say. Yeah. And they did. That was it. He was, wow. oh, man, was he. He had charge. the power. Huh? He had the power. Oh, gosh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walter Shinson was a friend of mine, and, and he's the one that produced it. Mm-hmm. But uh, being around him was, was a lot of fun because he's the one that did... Uh, Two or three of the Beatles things, you know. Right, Hard Day's Night was one of the ones he did and got a great, great success with that. Yeah, he uh, he got checks a lot. Yeah. A lot yeah. of checks. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he passed away yeah. a few years back. But yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you had mentioned uh, earlier Rottweiler, also another film that was kind of in that horror vein, but a different type of horror vein. I, I remember, Earl, this was the first film back when I was uh, back when I was a teenager, the first one that I had seen that you did. I'd heard about you in eastern North Carolina, had seen you on uh, 60 Minutes, was always intrigued by you. A friend of mine was from Shelby, so I was always kept up to date on what was going on with the life of Earl Owensby. But I remember when Rottweiler came out, there was a tagline, and I don't know if it was you that used it or somebody else, but it was called Jaws with Paws. And I just remembered that was so catchy and just the marketing of that. And it was about these these killer dogs that were, you know, some kind Trained of experiment. Trained to be killer dogs. Yeah, and then some experiments went wrong, and, of course, they, they took over and killed people in towns. Um, you know, that film had a, had a very interesting background because uh, there's a connection to Mad Max with that particular film that I remember you sharing with me one, at one point. Yeah, the... the, the uh... Never have liked Mel Gibson. <laughs> Warner Brothers uh, wanted a 3D movie. That was what it was in 3D. Mm-hmm. And I set it up with Terry Seymour and the people who ran Warner Brothers. There was 14 of them came in. I had Chris Condon, who was the scientist behind all the 3D, which I, I used. And uh, it was a rough cut. It mm-hmm. was not finished because, hey, you just... You have right. to do what you have to do. 
And uh, they came in and, and uh, complimented that it was the 3D was good and it was an unusual story, you know, the usual. Right. Don't make him feel bad. He might buy the place from Fires or something. I didn't, you know, wasn't that. But they picked up Mad Max with Mel Gibson, and uh, that's true. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you move on. Yeah. And while it did good anyway. Yeah. 20th Century Fox got hundreds of letters begging them not to release that movie. 20th Century Fox had nothing to do with it. We were making the Rottweiler look right. bad. Wow. But, wow. Wow. But my dog was the star. Yeah. Damien was the star, yeah. and he did exactly what I said do. We had a guy play the doctor. Uh, from uh, He was from Pinehurst somewhere or another. And uh, mind me, a Dan Durie ate the way he talked and all, old-time actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, the scene was, he's in this station wagon, and the Rottweiler is behind him, and I'm laying under the blanket with with Damien, and so he was going to make it look real good. And I told him, I said, don't hit the dog. Yeah. But it'll make it look good. He'll growl. I said, he'll growl all right. (laughs) When he reached back that arm like that, Damien grabbed him just like that, and I had to say, out, out, out. Wow. Because when he took them teeth out. Yeah. A little bit of blood born out of that. Wow. He stopped the car. He got out of the car, the station wagon, and said, I got to go home. I said, go by and pick up a check, keep the damn check. Wow. I said, well, I'm paying. Wow. So he said, somebody else needs to do that. I ain't getting back in that car with that crazy-ass dog. Wow. He shouldn't have hit him. He shouldn't have hit him. Exactly. And that's what he's like. Yeah. (laughs) That's what he he was. But he he was uh, not as dry as he was when he first sat in the seat. But we we (laughs) put the station wagon off the thing. And down there, of course, that would have killed the dog and everything. So I don't know. But anyway. Well, Each you, movie has a story. Yeah, yeah. Well, your 3D um, is something that today, once again, when we talk about global film market is big, 3D is big again. And uh, you brought 3D back to uh, to the United States after 25 years of nobody caring First much one, about 25 it. 25 years. Why did you think 3D would have success? And you did six 3D films. Yeah, so what was it that, that made you think at that point, now we need to get 3D back in the market? Well, at that time, it was the first one in 25 years. And right. when you're in business, sometimes you gamble. It wasn't really a gamble when you took the fact that you can take the 3D movie. Now, that's two, two, three, five strips of film, one right. over the other, how you do it. Well, all you've got to do is go in and don't use but one of the strips. Right. And you can have the DVDs, obviously, and all that stuff. And they are the videos, whatever right. they happen to be. And uh, I didn't think it was a big gamble, but it was well done. And, right. of course, I had Chris Condon there. And, and you knew also you had a story that would hold up even if it was beyond that's, That the was theaters. the point. If, yeah. it, if you don't have to depend on the 3D, you still got a story. Right. And right. it's it's dogs, and they've yeah. been trained. They're going to kill people. And yeah. you're going to have to get the dogs. And, yeah. You know, so Hank Willis was the character. He... He's a sheriff in the town, so he has to do that. And meanwhile, the action is going on. And by the time you think this guy ain't going to get it, he's gone. Right, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and we did uh, Larry Sprinkling and Mike McKay. 
They're both uh, uh, broadcasters from the Charlotte region. Yeah, yeah. Larry's from Far City. He's with Channel 9 or 36 or whatever. Yeah, NBC. He's a weather guy. Yeah, yeah. and Larry uh, Larry was had been in a lot of my movies. Larry Sprinkle and Mike had never been in one. But uh, the way we killed them off, the dogs got them, but all we did was put... Uh, Liver mush and bacon strips, and they'd go up and get that. on their neck. Yeah, and we'd add, we'd add, we'd add the sound effect. You right, see. right. So, uh, but anyway, um, you, there are some challenges with making 3D films that you discovered. Well, the lighting. You okay. had, yeah, the lighting had to be nowadays, and we're trying to make movies again. Obviously, ain't got no choice, but. When you're doing now with high def and with whatever you're doing, uh, lighting shoots in here never right. Bring, it's a never lot different. Lighting, yeah, yeah, a lot different. But with that, you it was pretty tough and sound. Yeah, because that it makes a lot of noise. I mean, so the cameras, have, the cameras, yeah, metal yeah you yeah. have to dub yeah. and whatever. Yeah. But uh, with those big lens mm-hmm. and all. But I don't know. You go through little things that's wrong and cost you a little more right. than it yeah. would have, but that's not a problem. But you had success. You did six of those, and um, and then there were a, a flurry of the studios. Once they saw what you were doing, they said, okay, we're going to do this too. And they kind of killed off 3D for a long time because um, they brought in a movie like Jaws 3D, and then there was like a Friday the 13th 3D. There were a few others that Abbeville, just killed it. Abbeville, Harville, yep. 3D, yeah. It just, they killed it because it was really, it was less about the story and more about just gimmick. And gimmick, they kind of wanted to kill the thing off yeah. too because it wasn't, yeah. wasn't something that yeah. they were interested yeah. in. Well, Most uh, of the folks in the big offices and whatever Look at one thing, bottom line, money. Right. I don't care about the movie. Yeah. They couldn't sit there and tell you. Yeah. I've had to oh, this will do $100 million. I don't know. Well, Earl you Owensby. You want to do $100 million, I ain't going to make but one. Right. <laughs> Earl Owensby, yes, who we're talking to here at uh, Gardner Webb's University, WGWG.org, and on Cinema Scene. He is our guest today. And uh, we could spend uh, hours and hours talking about Earl and talking to Earl and letting him share stories, but. Uh, I know he doesn't have all that time. He's got to get back to work, but we do appreciate him spending time talking to us. Um, Earl, what are some, you have any other final thoughts that you want to make sure you share? Any final things that you would love our listeners to know about, about you or about a particular film that we didn't get a chance to talk? Living Legend was one we didn't talk about, Rutherford County Line. Uh, any of those two you want to spend some time talking about before we wrap up today? Well, both of them did real well, so I yeah. mean, I, I never played Elvis Presley. I get to, oh, this is the, that one yeah. nothing to do with Elvis yeah. Presley. Yeah. We used Roy Orbison singing, which was Elvis's favorite singer, and we used Ginger Alden, who was his fiance at the time of his death. But other than that, it just, it's the same old story. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it happens. I yeah. mean, you know, look in your newspaper. It was a story of a, of, a, of a rock and roll singer who was uh, letting the success take over his life. That's right. And we see that happen every day almost, oh, gosh. whether it's a singer or a movie star or somebody Whatever. who's famous. Yeah. And then when they die, we say, I wonder why he died. Yeah, exactly. And your story covered that. It, it, yeah. it captured that. Uh, Roy Orbison, an amazing singer, and you got to spend a lot of time with him. And he lived here in, uh, in Shelby, North Carolina, in this area for Six months. Yeah, he lived um, at the studio. Yeah, and the uh, the soundtrack was really amazing. Uh, beautiful soundtrack uh, for that movie, and then uh, 
you know, for those who said Earl just did formula films, you broke out. Sure, you had some formula films that you would do, but you broke out. Living Legend was definitely one that wasn't a, a typical Earl Owensby film. No. Um, even Wolfman wasn't a typical <laughs> no. Earl Owensby film. But uh, Rutherford County Line was one that was a bit different because it was based, it truly was based on a true story. It was a true story. Yeah. We we uh, we actually court records went. That's the way I only way I do it. And when we did that, Damon wasn't going to do it unless I played Damon. I mean, mm-hmm. that was what the deal was. And we didn't go with all of a sudden we got somebody putting on a cape and chasing. Right, but it was just followed what happened. Hutchins killed three officers, mm-hmm. and you know, Troman and two deputies. And uh, I mean, that was a that was a part of the whole story, and uh, that was not good, but it was true. Right. And of course, he he did go to Lethal in Jackson and mm-hmm. died in Raleigh, and and uh, but it was the whole thing went down to, and it didn't have to be Damon, but it was Damon, but a sheriff or a mm-hmm. law enforcement officer, Memphis, Tennessee, just happened. Some guy shot a cop that stopped him. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we supposed to kill policemen. Mm-hmm. That something's wrong here, you yeah. know, and and that's that's uh, pretty tough, mm-hmm. pretty tough job. Yeah. But we did do well, and and uh, Universal picked it up and and uh, did whatever they did, and we yeah. got it back. And yeah. they they didn't like Rufford County Line because it sounded too southern. Well, in my opinion, it was southern. Yeah, they called it Damon's Law, so that was fine. You yeah, know, they played on that, but I yeah. put it back to Rufford County Line, right. which is what it really yeah. is. Yeah. And oddly enough, uh, people buy that and uh, Buckstone County Prison and Chain Gang is the top three. Wow. Four come along be living legend, of course, wow. but uh, all over. Yeah. Just shipped a bunch of movies to Norway yeah. last week. Wow. At Bowling Springs, North Carolina, yeah. Post Office. Wow. Wow. You know, yeah. you have to fill out the yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Norway and uh, I don't know, Australia. I saw yeah. a lot of movies in Australia. Wow. Don't matter me where to go. Yeah. Er- Earl, Earl is still a global phenomenon. Well, uh, they can pick them up on uh, on uh, internet and yeah. pay, pay PayPal and yeah. we'll ship them. They can go to your website, EarlOwensbyStudios.com. Yep. And, uh, and find them there, and uh, and and Earl will be uh, in uh, Raleigh this weekend. If you are uh, out and about, and I would like to to listen to Earl spend some time talking about some of these things and much more, and see some clips from some of the films that'll be happening at the North Carolina Museum of History on Friday night at 6 p.m. And if you're listening to this after that time, then uh, we encourage you to to check out the. Uh, the film, um, the film exhibit that's going on. You'll see some of the memorabilia that Earl has uh, has given for uh, for the exhibit there, and that'll be ending in September, and so that'll be wrapping up. But we do appreciate Earl as always spending time talking to us. Got one uh, one more question, Earl, before we wrap up. Um, after all is said and done, fifty years later, when Earl Owensby is no longer here, uh, unless you live to be one hundred and thirty. Uh, which could happen. Uh, I've known crazier things to happen. It could happen. But if, if Earl, Earl Owensby is no longer here 50 years from now, um, how would you like to be remembered, or what would you like to be remembered for? I don't have any desire okay. at all. Okay. If I'm not here, 
being a Christian, <laughs> right. I think I know where I'm going to be. All right. And anything there is so much better than down here. Right. <laughs> you know, and if it starts getting too warm, right. I'm going to say, fine, Noah, wherever he is. <laughs> but that's that's the truth. Yeah. I, I, I don't have, that don't dwell on me. Right. I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't looking. Right. So, so your legacy is, is what you're doing while you're here. Well, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. whatever you're doing. And, yeah. you know, I'm in the top 100 people in North Carolina for 100 years. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't no big deal. They yeah. didn't interview me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> University of North Carolina, Duke, yeah. Harvard, and Princeton. That yeah. four colleges yeah. that right. got together and yeah. with all the stuff they had, right. and that was good. That was yeah. fine. Yeah. That didn't buy me anything. Right. Right. And went you, to McDonald's. I still yeah. had to pay for the hamburger. <laughs> That's right. Well, you have received uh, incredible recognition over the years for your work. You've been uh, given lifetime achievement awards. You've been given. Uh, Image Awards from the NAACP. You've had film courses taught uh, on you at Duke, Duke, University, Duke University and Gardner-Webb University as and well. And Gardner-Webb with uh, <laughs> Reverend, Reverend Manning. <laughs> so you have made an impact, Earl, and you continue to make an impact on, on film and on me. And I just appreciate you throughout the years uh, of spending time with me. And that means well, so a lot to me. So your family, Noel. Everybody well, don't know that. Well, and I deny it most times. <laughs> But for those listening, uh, we do encourage you to check out Earl's website, earlownsbystudios.com. You can find his movies there and a lot more about him as well. And, um, and you can email him uh, as well right there on that uh, website. And we do appreciate him spending time talking about his life and his legacy and his legend right here at Gardner Web University Radio, WGWG.org. Till next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II, uh, and uh, appreciate you spending time listening to us right here on The Range. For this week, that's a wrap.